Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man of Post podcast. We're back. It's uh, it's Sunday. Sunday. It's always Monday when you listen to this. Whenever it's definitely Monday. I'm not editing it today. Um, I'm Ross. <laughs> <laughs> There's Adam and Collins here as well. Evening, chaps. Hi there. Hello. How you doing? Fun day of uh, watching Formula One. Yeah, Sunday fun day. <laughs> well, let's talk about Saturday fun day. It was if you're um, Bob Bradley. Maybe not so much if you're Alan Pardew. <laughs> if Pardew survives this week, he's bulletproof, isn't he? Surely nothing's going to get in the sack. <laughs> How you lose that game with what, two minutes to go, four three up? In- incredible, Lorente with two goals in ninety seconds, I think, to win the game for Swansea. <laughs> I mean, it's it's up there with in terms of collapses, though. Is it? I'm not even convinced it's the best one this week. It's up Spurs. <laughs> Spurs managed to have the ball in play for and lead for 16 seconds. <laughs> Great work, Tottenham. Swansea were 3-1 up, and then Palace somehow got back to 4-3, and then the scoring wasn't over. There's still two more. Three more. <laughs> Swansea won 5-4. Ridiculous. Was it something like seven goals in the second half and four in 11 minutes? Yeah, four goals in 11 minutes. Mental. Swansea... That lifts them off the foot of the table. They needed that badly. I mean, they're not going to be able to play Crystal Palace every week, though, are they? <laughs> Unfortunately not, no. But other teams are, and that's sending them further down the table every week because they just don't pick up points anymore, it seems. That's just what they do now. He's done that He's done that, Pat, that classic Alan Pardew, Jekyll and Hyde thing where his 2016 is... When people go out about talking about how bad 2016 is, Alan you must agree, but for all the wrong reasons. He's, he's having more people die just to divert attention from his management, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can, can I defend Pardew on this? No, but try. <laughs> right, OK, because I was listening to the phone-ins as well, and uh, there was lots of fans asking for him to be sacked, replaced by the likes of Sam Allardyce, this sort of thing. The, and Pardew said this in an interview he did with the BBC. He said that when Palace did so well last season, he took them as far as he could, playing a certain brand of football. Let's call it Route 1. Very basic, defensive. That's it. Alan, pa- Alan Pardew football. <laughs> yeah, and he said, look, that's as far as we can go playing like this. Now, if we want to progress, we're going to have to play a different way. But it's going to take us time to adjust. And that is the process I think Palace are going through. And what, I think rele- just... Is the process relegation? <laughs> Well, the, the thing is, what it's, it goes back to fans. What do they want? You know, do they want Pulis type football or do you want entertaining football? It's a whole West Ham debate again. You know, True. Um, and I just think that if they get through, it, I mean, if you look at how many goals Palace have scored, it's quite a lot. 
The problem is, they're just conceding a lot. <laughs> just, just a yeah. few more. Like, let's, take, let's, look at it. let's just look at, at like, this week's game as a microcosm. They scored four. That was good. That's a plus. Thumbs up. However. I, yeah. Scored 25. Scored 21. Conceded 26 this season. It's been entertaining. That's, that's not in doubt. Every week, 4-2, 3-2, 5-4. But yeah, you need to kind of convert some of those into wins, maybe, or even draws. It's six matches without seven matches without a win. Uh, see, the thing is, though, I think Palace will be fine because of that reason. The teams that get relegated are the ones that can't score. So the ones like Burnley and perhaps Sunderland who go one nil down, and then that's it. Mm. They can't, they can't get back. They can't get. They haven't got another, like, another two or three goals in them. Palace have. So, although it looks bad. I'd be really worried if they weren't scoring goals and conceding loads, but it's in but a weird Alan Pardew, way. Has Alan Pardew ever been the man to to be able to set a team up to defend? No. Did all right with Newcastle. Could they defend? He got him into <laughs> occasionally. Did did he get him into Champions League? No, no. Don't be Europa, silly. Europa League. They finished fifth. Europa League. Europa League, yeah. I was was, was going to say the same thing, but it's not. It's It's really not. It's really not. (laughs) Maybe from a Leeds perspective, it's just one big, yeah. (laughs) It's like so far off in the distance. Yeah, (laughs) it's all relative, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let's talk about Tottenham and Chelsea. As mentioned, um, you, you, you tweeted, Adam, that Chelsea looked a completely different team in the second half. Yeah, Tottenham were fantastic in the first half. I'm assuming Conte um, lost his rag slightly at half-time. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, and they just looked absolutely rampant in that mm. second half. They, they, were, they were so energised, they were everywhere. And um, it, was, it, it wasn't a case of a tired Spurs team dropping off and it's something sort of this happening sort of like 70, 80 minutes. This was happening from... The first minute of the second half, yeah, um, it was like you could tell that Ch- Chelsea got themselves on top right at the turn of half time with uh, a, a spectacular, if not undeserved, goal from Pedro. How good's he been recently as well? Well, yeah. Well done, Jose, for just not playing him at all last season, really. Well, they've got a uh, a very interesting. Uh, tactical setup, haven't they? They were so fluid in that second half you couldn't really tell what formation they were playing at any one point. <laughs> like because uh you had Alonso and uh, Alonso and um what's his name? Victor Moses were just all over the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Alonso spent more time in their half I think than he spent did in his own for all that game. I was I was like, would you yeah, what you could where you I'd be interested to see heat maps and average positions of those those players, um, Chelsea look imperious at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Costa's fire and Pedro's found the goals. Moses looks a player reborn. Luis is, is playing superbly as that basically free role in a back three to just do what he wants and freelance a little bit and knowing that <laughs> do what he wants, <laughs> knowing that people will suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knowing that if he bombs past Kante, Kante can quite happily sit back there and defend for him instead. Well, it's interesting them playing with Kante and and Matic. And Matic, there. yeah. 
um, it is it's solidifies that area, but also allows both of them to, especially Matic, to actually play a little bit more. Mm. I think he has something like four or five assists this season. It might be a necessary evil, isn't it? When you've got Luis in the team, you have to kind of uh, have those two. But one of them, yeah, Matic on his day can he can produce a lot of attacking intent as well. Kante is probably more of the, of the defensive one of the two. But maybe Matic and it's what is more a... defensive last year playing alongside Fabregas, who we always known hated that role. It's what it's allowed um, Conte to get out of Hazard as well. Yeah. Because he's been able to play so far up the pitch to not worry about tracking back. Um, I think I saw, I can't remember what game it was, I was watching the last game before, I think perhaps his Hazard's average position was ahead of Costa. <laughs> wow. Costa's fully playing that false nine role then and just bringing everyone else into the game. He's playing a lot better this year. He seems to have eliminate, eliminated the... Uh, the madness side of his game as well, slightly. Yeah, it's almost like he's learnt a bit. He's he's in a zone where he's channeling it, mm. or he's, um, he's been outmaded by Conte. <laughs> perhaps, yeah. <laughs> you can't and top he's just this. Thought, I can't. I can't deal with this. Yet. <laughs> no. This is yeah. always like dealing with me. Fucking hell, I must be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my poor wife. <laughs> I think the um, difference showed the, the strength and the depth to bring on Oscar and Willian, and then Spurs are having to. Re- rely on this Harry Winks lad coming off the bench. Yeah, but what I would say is, uh, what was the other... The, um, is his name Unco? Und- Unduko, um, yeah. Unduko. He looks good. Why is he not starting? I don't know. So They don't like to... For a lot of all the tinkering he did with his fullbacks last year, I think that the spine of this team stayed very much the same, didn't it, Spurs? Yeah, I wonder where, how he still feels about the tinkering with those fullbacks, because I watched... Uh, uh, quite a lot of the Monaco game and uh, Trippier looked out of his depth. <laughs> yes, he did. Yeah, he, was he was very poor. Um, and I think there were some positives in this game because, like I said, Spurs were by far the better team in that first half. Mm. And I think maybe there's something to be said about this is the time that you'd expect Chelsea to be looking good because they're already playing their game every seven days. Yeah. Um, at, the, at the moment, playing against teams that are playing every every three or four days, they mm. they should have an advantage. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely they should. Colin, talk to me about the champions. They uh, rescued a, a last-minute draw with promoted Middlesbrough. Yeah. Two pounds um, as well. Well, I'll take it. And anything to, to um, potentially help my bet of uh, Leicester finishing in the top eight. A <laughs> <laughs> point's better than none. Yeah, only six points off so far. Oh no, five, uh, five points off. Yeah. Um, five points off what? The top eight. Yeah, yeah. How many points off relegation? Two. Yeah, just wanted some context. <laughs> yep, yep. Good point. Good point. I, I I don't know what to say, Ross. Really, I mean, all I can say is is that you know I think that their aim is really all about Champions League to qualify for the last sixteen. It seems to be that, yeah, they're just. But going, they've done that now. Fuck they've done that now. They've won their. See how far well, they can get. They've won their group. Yeah. Maybe, maybe start winning some games and. They've got more. Po- they've got more points in the Champions League than they have in the Premier League. Ridiculous. They've only played five games in the Champions League. And you can see there's one goal as well in five games. Well, they've got a good couple of months, haven't they? They've got, what, three months until the next Champions League game? Well, they've got the, the last group no, game, sorry. And then yeah, it's the last group game, but they can do whatever they want in that. Yeah, so they should 
now, the Christmas period, this time to solidify this season, basically, and finish in this middle mid-table, upper mid-table Or get in a relegation fight. (laughs) The wheels come off completely and make it really difficult for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one for them. They've got a lot lot on their plate, actually. Middlesbrough, on the other hand, are just... uh, They've got to be disappointed with that. Yeah. 94th minute, giving away two Mm. penalties. Negredo's firing, which is very important for them. Because without him, amongst the goals, they looked lifeless, really. Victor Valdez yeah. is a very busy man at the back. Yeah, that, that season in the Championship seems to have uh, uh, killed all of um, of Stuart Downing's form because he, he was a mm. that season at West Ham. He was an absolute. He looked like a player again. Yeah. And, he was on the verge of the England squad, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah um, so now you're pitch. now you're relying on sort of Gaston Ramirez and who are, still look a play. You just need to get him performing. Same with Victor Fisher, who football manager players will know that he's a brilliant player, but he can't even get a game at the minute. He's coming on for two minutes at the end of games. Odd. Um, yeah, it's been a busy week of football. We're going to bash for a few of these games. Not really not too much to say. Hull drew with West Brom, one all. Liverpool beat Sunderland, as you would expect. They made slightly hard work of it. Only... They did make hard work of it, didn't they? Yeah, in the end. Um, Especially considering it's another team you're talking about who's not playing European football. Yeah, I mean, I expected them to fully just dominate Sunderland. Even Sunderland have had a slight resurgence, but yeah, 2-0, they'll take it. They're, they're still in there with Chelsea at the minute, just a point behind. Same with City. City, they beat Burnley 2-1 yesterday. They made hard work of that as well. Um, yeah, but that's probably down to the the machine that is Paul Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> he he. How long has he been in football? I don't know. It's just like, I mean, he he was playing for Leeds when Leeds were in their glory days. He made his and debut like, Barcelona in the Champions League. That's that was a fucking long time ago. I yeah. just think that uh, while talking about Burnley, while Colin was talking about teams that can't score. Burnley can definitely defend. Yes, they are incredibly well drilled. I know they all know their roles. All the talk about Michael Keane as well could be off. To, could be off to a bigger club. He's vital to them as well. If they lose him in January, I think they could be. I don't think. Good. I don't think they will. I think they'll lose him in in the summer. In the summer. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, Paul Robertson made his uh, last Premier League appearance one thousand six hundred sixty-four days ago. Fantastic. 2012. <laughs> and he's back. <laughs> Looking his age now as well. It's, it's, you know he's been sat on a sofa. Oh, definitely. And he's been, watch, he's been watching telly and someone said, you know, hello. You know, we've, we've you know, goalkeeper's knackered. Can you step in for a bit? Yeah, you know, all right. Ha, have, you, have, you, have you already phoned Richard Wright? <laughs> Stuart Saylor. Yeah, <laughs> Richard's Richard's playing golf in the Algarve. He doesn't fancy it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and he said, "Well, yeah, but you know, is it worth me going back to League One or whatever?" And it's like, what, "Sorry, Premier League, thirty-seven, <laughs> Burnley calling." <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, all right then, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. Hops on the treadmill. <laughs> Make uh, the shirt an extra large. Yeah, <laughs> just desperate, just necking diet pills and trying to sweat it out. Turns the heating right up and starts putting on black bin bags. 
Uh, let's move on to Man United. They struggled again. Jose got sent off again. He's going to serve another touchline ban. His second in a month. Um, he got a one-all draw with West Ham. He, yeah, he's lost the plot this season. Kicked a water bottle after um, John Moss booked Pogba for diving. After replays have shown um, that, yeah, Mark Noble didn't actually touch Pogba. So. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, isn't the right word, but I'm starting to wonder whether football's left Jose behind. I think it has. The last uh, four seasons, Man United have had 27, 22 and 20 points at this stage. They've got 20 at this stage now. Moyes had them in eighth, um, which is admittedly worse than Jose has, but Van Gaal had them in second place last year at this stage. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to be a lot to be said for how much that could be nonsense. Yeah. Teams you've played, all this sort of stuff. You could judge you could judge a season in its entirety. Maybe you can't judge judge it just like this, but it's more just They don't seem to be playing as a team either, do they? I mean, you know, they're just well, you're a also bunch just of individuals. Who, who's the per- now they've gone they've gone from that stability they had of twenty odd however many years it was, one guy. Yeah making all the decisions since then in what four years they've gone through three managers yeah um and now they've, they've got what you end up with which is a hodgepodge squad yeah incredibly yeah put together it doesn't uh, there's no sort of clarity of thought with the signings no there's yeah there's there's, there's still Moyes players in this team there's still Fergie players in this team as well it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is a complete mashup of everyone and and I would add on to that the fact that last season he was sacked as manager of Chelsea, who can't have been that bad because they're currently top of the table. Yeah, with not a lot of investment in that squad this summer, really. The teams that, the squad that's playing most of the time. Ah, uh, hold on, that's not. Let's be, let's be completely fair. There's, they spent over sixty million pounds on. Well, yeah, but that's relative to what they on Kante the rest of the squad. and um, on on Kante and David Luiz. Yeah, but how much did Zlatan cost? How much did Pogba cost? Well, no, I'm not disputing that. But also, at the same point, you're saying that they come from a completely different point of view. That wasn't a hodgepodge squad, as I've just said. Yeah, that's been formed. And that's fair, yeah. Too, fair. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't know, I see similarities between Mourinho and Clough. And I, I wonder if Mourinho's time has gone, which is where he's the centre of attention, he's in charge, he sort of belittles players. And like a little bit like Clough, you know, he sort of breaks players down and then builds them up again. Mm. And maybe Mourinho's of that ilk. And now that players are all, you know, powerful and money earning and everything, maybe I, I don't know if time's passed him by, and maybe he's a bit of a relic. I wonder if sometimes he has a problem where his reputation kind of precedes him. So there was lots of talk coming out that Man United players were surprised at his sort of um, his lack of presence at training and this and that yeah. and sort of training not being what they expected and you wonder whether like his reputation builds it up to such an extent that what now what people are expecting when as he moves from club to club can never be what it's almost something he can't deliver yeah well let, let's put it this way let's say Adam you're the chairman of Burnley and money's no object, and your aim is to stay in the Premier League. Who would you rather have as manager, Sean Dyche or Jose Mourinho? 
still Jose Mourinho. You've gone too far. <laughs> All right. Okay. No, okay. I'm just wondering if he'd be able to, you know, muck in at the, the dirty end. You know, that's what I was sort of suggesting. But does he inspire the, the, the lesser well-paid players compared to these multi-multi-multi-millionaire players? Uh, yeah, you wonder whether it would go, it would flip back on if he was at Burnley. And they'd be like, fucking hell, we're working with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, we better up our game. Yeah. Yeah. Quite possibly, yeah. It's, it's, it's is a vital point for Bilic. They've got a really shit run coming up. They've got through Man United. I think they've got Liverpool and Arsenal in the next couple of games as well. Before they play some of the teams around them. So they, a point here is vital. They need to pick up at least another, maybe one more point from the next two games before they can play games that they can feasibly win. It's, we'll see how they get on. Um, Everton lost to Spurs, uh, to Saints. First minute goal, Charlie Austin. Yeah. 41 seconds. Wow. Yeah, we were okay. shit. Not good. Everton are very odd this season, aren't they? They have good runs and then just have bad runs as well. And it's been a long, bad run. Cumin's mm. not helping his case by praising Liverpool and saying that Lukaku's better than Everton. Yeah. We but... know this. Don't say it. You're the Everton manager. Uh, I quite like it, though. Well, the I really, get the other the realism thing, but... of it. Yeah, I just I'd like that from every manager. Stop. What's the point of lying? Well, true. Because <laughs> yeah. it got twisted. Because the truth is that the question he was actually asked was, "Do you think Liverpool are title contenders?" Yeah, you can't say no. Come, when they clearly if are. you come out and say come out and say no, just because you're Everton manager, it'll make me think. Do you know what the fuck you're talking about? Yeah, you'll win a few uh, knuckle draggers onto your side, but the people that yeah. know football will think, "Well, oh, you're just lying because you're Everton boss." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. Um, it's but pretty... we we were so poor. Um, what I would say was that for all of the faults in how that team was set up, I, what I did like is that Cumin at least made the changes, uh, even if they didn't seem to have any effect. Um, yeah, he got rid of Lennon, who was useless. Um, he got rid of Barkley, who was having a poor game, but. I just think the the players he brought on didn't really help the situation either. I can't remember us having a serious attempt on target. No, bringing on he brought on Valencia as well, but not really till late on. You had one shot on target in this, in this. Okay. <clears throat> now, let's quickly touch on uh, Leeds then, Colin. We lost to Newcastle last weekend. We beat Rotherham just yesterday. Um, that was nail biting, wasn't it? It, it, it was. I mean, shouldn't have been anywhere near that close. God, that like, that thing in the last minute. What was that about? <laughs> I know it was a, it was a bit of a screwball scramble, but uh, <laughs> sometimes you get those. I mean, the, what I would say is a little bit similar to when Leeds beat Norwich three two yeah. in extra time. That game we would have drawn or lost last year. This game we would have drawn last season, and for some reason, there's just a little bit. There's, there's more grit in there, and uh, mm. yeah, shit game. But <laughs> you know, I, I don't mind it as long as we get three points because I've seen a lot of games where we've played well and and got beat. Um, yeah, so so we've got Villa on Saturday. Um, we need to Liverpool on Tuesday. Yeah, I'm just not even thinking about that one. They're going to destroy us. That's why we defended <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> oh, are they? Oh. Who the fuck's going to play? Ah, are they? Well, they played Sturridge in the last round in their B team. Him alone could probably take on uh, oh, Rob Green. 
Ah, oh, true. I'm all about the Villa game. We have to beat them, otherwise I'm just never going to show my face on the podcast ever again. Oh dear, because Villa are looking good. Yeah, no, Steve mm. Bruce is a very good appointment, annoyingly. Yeah. Mm, I don't like that. Right, we've got two subjects we want to hit on quickly then before we finish. Um, let, let's start with the, the nastier of the two. The uh, child sex scandal that's hit football. Colin, break it down for us. Well, I, I don't know how to really. I mean, uh, um, we're going back to what, 80s, 90s? Mm. Convicted paedophile who was a high-flying coach, predominantly at crew. Um, you know, I can't remember the name of the guy who came out first. Is it Paul Stewart? I'll take your word for it. On, on the Victoria Derbyshire show. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I watched the... There was like a 30-minute show with them, you know, on, on Victoria Derbyshire, who, yeah. who I don't really like, but, you know, it, she she had all the guys there. And it was just... They're all middle-aged guys, so sort of like my age, maybe a little bit older. Mm. And it was just awful to watch. Oh, it was Andy Woodward, wasn't it? Was he the first one? Was it Andy Woodward? Yeah. Okay. There, there, there was um, four guys on that show, and I think now the number's creeped up to 20 yeah or something like that um and robbie savage was saying you know maybe it's just the tip of the iceberg and i think it probably is yeah you worry about these things sort of um for, for want of a better term they're becoming a bit sort of savile-esque yeah exactly that's what yeah. Yeah. Sort of, like, someone like someone breaks someone breaks down that wall of silence yeah i the, the thing is this is how hard it struck me i was watching that program and you know, there's been various interviews on Sky and BBC and, and whatever. This weekend, I took my lad to play football for the first time. Yeah. He's just turned five. And it's basically run by dads. I know they're CB, uh, it's, it's CBA. CRB. CRB check yeah. and everything like that. But I was still thinking in the back of my mind, wrongly, you know, these guys could be anything. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I, I was there, but I was thinking, well, bloody hell, what happens if my lad actually turns out to be all right? And, yeah. you know, they set, they tap him up at 10 or something, say, yeah, you, you know, we want you to join you send him off West, the West Ham or something, you know, and it's like, right, okay, well, yeah, they'll pick him up, they'll drop him off, and it's like, mm. and then I was thinking, am I a bad person for thinking that? And I, I, I don't know, it's I don't just... Think you are, no, to be honest. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really just a incredibly murky thing. Like Adam said, it, it's just been the tip of the iceberg. There's more, more and more players coming out all the time. It, yeah, it's and you can nice. understand why you can understand why it's been kept so quiet for so long. Yeah, because who wouldn't want to? Who would want to? Um, as a however old these kids were, fifteen year old kid, mm. want to jeopardise their dream of being a professional footballer? Yeah, exactly. That man or what they would, to your dream. What, yeah, what they would see as jeopardising it at least. Yeah, exactly. And, and here's something we've discussed before. I can't remember what it was about. It was um, it, it. We had a heated discussion on it. I think it might have been Sunderland and Adam Johnson. Yeah. And I think Adam, you made a strong point about surely someone knew at the club, mm. and surely there's a case here that. People must. If, if this has happened at clubs all over, 
some people in the hierarchy of the club, the management, must have known. But this, I mean, that's why this, as, as more and more comes out about this, this needs to be, be taken more and more seriously by the FA, which is they haven't done quickly enough. No. They set up a hotline for people to phone in to, to um, sort of whistleblow something. This needs to become an inquiry. Yeah. In, independently held by the FA. Possibly even the government. Yeah. So you take it away from the football. Because if, if football as an institution has kept in-house, then you probably want it investigated by someone external, whether that be police or government. A judicial so, inquiry or something like that, yeah. Yeah, though police and football hasn't always mixed well. You know, sometimes they've been in cahoots, as we know, with Hillsborough. Um, but, I mean, the thing that I think of is, and I'm not casting aspersion on this guy at all, but the person... You know, when I think of football, and obviously I'm a little bit older than you guys, so the person who's always been in my mind as the one who's brought young players forward and done a great job with them was Dario Grady. Yeah, Grady, yeah, crew. At crew, which is where this is sort of all the stinky sort of stench is coming from. Now, Dario Grady's not been named as part of this, but no, I saw Sam. But this is one of those disgusted if he knew about this. But but this is one of those things where he was there. He there for twenty odd years. Yes. And you're saying, as we were saying, you're thinking about, yeah, let's not say that, that could be actionable. <laughs> yeah, let's not say anything that could be actionable. Let's instead talk about a better campaign that's happened this weekend. The Premier League has backed the uh, LGBT Rainbow Laces campaign, which is brilliant. I've bought two pairs because they just look awesome. Can't wait to get them. Do you know what's fun? What's that? Watching um, Arsenal, particularly Arsenal and Manchester United, <laughs> um, change the background on their sort of social media yes. logos. Um Clicking on the on the links and seeing how long it takes until you can find um, a completely bigoted bigoted comment, <laughs> and working out with, where does it come from? Someone from the Middle East, and nine times out of ten, it does. Wow, what a surprise! Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great that this is being supported. We've had what two openly gay footballers in well as long as I've been watching football. Justin Fashnu and Robbie Rogers are the two that I can name. But even that. that even then, did Robbie, Robbie Rogers didn't do it when he was playing. Well, no, he retired, didn't he? And then came back yeah. from, from that. There was, also, there was also Thomas Hitzelsberg, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a... I think it's a brilliant venture, but I think it's too little... To, it's not too little. It's too late. And, I, and I'll tell you the reason why. You mentioned Robbie Rogers there. Hmm. He was a player for Leeds, came from MLS. He got a bit of a rough run of the green, didn't he? Because he, he got a lot of injuries. Yes. Um, but I think he actually came out when he was at Stevenage. Yes, he I did. I think he might have come out when he was at Stevenage. He was, he was sent out on but loan. Did, I, thought he'd already, I thought he'd left at that point and never actually played another game in England. He, he might what, have been... Point, he, might he came have, out, I thought, I thought he went back to America. He, he did, but then what I'd also like to point out is that um, back in December 2013, Leeds United became a partner with Stonewall. Yeah. Who were the guys behind this initiative? Um, there was a big push from the club to get everybody else involved, and, and Rainbow Laces were involved, and, and all this sort of good stuff. Obviously, we didn't know at the time that the Leeds managing director was gay, and that Robbie Rogers was on the books. Mm. You know, um, if, if he still was at Leeds then. And then in 20, December 2013, Robbie Rogers was um, obviously at Ellen Road at Leeds, pushing his. Um, his campaign 
Yeah. To stop homophobia in football. Um, it was on Newsnight, various different outlets on The Guardian. And the football, let's not forget, the Premier League, who are taking a lot of plaudits for this now, saying, aren't we all great? They refused to get involved with it. And that was in December 2013. <laughs> so now, all of a sudden, November 2016, they're like, hey, we're bastions of virtue. We've got this brand new great vision. Well, where were you three years ago when Leeds United started pushing it? Just when Robbie about, Rogers was pushing it? Just, just they, that. I'm not sure if these two things are linked, but there might be the same campaign. But this is actually the second time they've tried this rainbow laces situation. And the first time, hmm. it was basically completely shunned by the, um, by the by players. And that was because they made the mistake of having it supported by... Um, by Paddy Power, and and well, you, basically the players decided that they didn't want anything to do with that yeah. because Paddy Power had just are just making were make at that point were making advert after advert taking the piss out of how stupid football players were. And... Yeah, I, I don't think Paddy Power would have ever been trying to <clears throat> take the piss on the back of homosexuality. No, 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 no. They would do what they would. They would. We're doing the advert separately, taking the piss out of players, and then they supported the campaign. Yeah. And the players were like, "Well, already been no, we're not having anything to do with this campaign because uh, you're linked with a group who take the piss out of us." Well, well, my belief is that because the football league, as the EFL as it is now, the Premier League, and all the clubs turned them down, they had nowhere else to go to but something, another institution with money that would push it and that's where Paddy Power came in they gave him money to sort of push this initiative which is why they went with them to make um, some laces I'm not sure I completely buy that how expensive are laces to make <laughs> well just to get it out there just to get it just to get it out there um, but and, and you talk about players but let's not forget certain Premier League clubs as you say they shunned it they said no we're not we-. they said we're not wearing these laces now whether it's Paddy Power related, I think that's a backhand excuse. They didn't want to get involved with it, right? Now they're all open arms to it. So what's the road to Damascus conversion? That's all. I'm just thinking now it's sort of, hey, it's it's it's, it's bang on trend mm. to get into this. So, yeah, we'll get on board. If it was that important, the FA should have done something about it like three years ago when a club like Leeds was banging on about it. Well, they should have done something about it. 20 years ago and yeah that's just society in general not just football but yeah it's but it's not a bad thing I mean it's brilliant no, it's, yeah, it's like, a good step I think it's, it's a better thing that we're going in the right direction now yeah, am, I, am I right in thinking though that it's, it's at the moment it's just sort of at the Premier League level it's a football league actually ask teams to get involved I haven't uh, heard anything I think it was just Premier League this weekend wasn't it yeah surely you'd, you'd just open it out to everyone I can't see why that would be a bad thing but yeah, it's, it's all on the back of research done by Stonewall because Stonewall, they found that the majority of football fans had heard homophobic chant in their matches. And we've all been to games and I'm sure we've all heard homophobic chants, yep. comments aimed at players. <clears throat> Which is, yeah, it is not on. You can't do that. In, you shouldn't do that in public and you shouldn't do that in a football crowd. It makes no difference where you are. But anyway, let's yeah. call an end to the well, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> we can talk more about this next week when I've got some more time. Well, I was just going to talk about I was just going to say that 
that's more probably as indicative about the kind of people who go to football games well, most of the time, yeah. unfortunately. Knuckle draggers, like I called them earlier. But anyway, not all of yeah. you, some of you. <clears throat> most of you. The majority of you. <laughs> but anyway, and you I'm can, talking about you. You can hear us on Not the... you, Ross. <laughs> You'll be able to hear us on the World Football Index. You can follow them at World Football I on Twitter and check out them on iTunes and SoundCloud, World Football Index. We're a part of their family now. If you don't want to do that and you just want to get us the same way you always do, that's fine. iTunes, Man on the Post, Acast, Man on the Post. Follow us on Twitter at Man on the Post. Follow me on Twitter at RossBell1984 and follow Adam on Twitter at AdamSA101 and Colin on Twitter at Cass, that's C-A-S-707. Uh, we shall be back next weekend, and in the meantime, you'll be able to hear Chris and his merry gang of podcasters in midweek, um, where they're going to be doing something you may have heard us do recently, have a dinner party um, podcast. Ah, uh, get your own idea. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not stealing from Football Weekly, he's stealing from us. Yeah. Uh, until then, it's goodbye from me, it's goodbye from Colin. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Adam. Bye. And always remember to have your man on the post. Sorry, I accidentally pressed mute getting out of my pocket. <laughs> no worries. How are you? Yeah, good. We're going to have to be done in about half an hour, chaps, because I've got a Seahawks game to watch. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. I watched the Grand Prix. Yeah. Dear have you watched it, Ross? Did you, want to, did you want to watch it, Ross? Or? No, I just hope he didn't. didn't win. Uh, yeah, Rossberg won the championship, but... Wine, whining little cunt. It was arguably one of the most interesting races I've seen in years. Right. Not necessarily for all the right reasons. But yeah, but how much did he do anything wrong? He, he defied his team. That's pretty wrong. Okay, well, Rosberg asked his team to get him to move out of the way. Just go if he's driving because he's driving too slowly. If that's the case, drive round him. That's, that's that literally the, point, the sport. That is literally the point of the sport. I, I can I can see it both ways. I mean, the thing is, I, I didn't actually put in the text. You know, when I said, you know, I was, I'd put a bet on Lewis rather than Rosberg. Yeah. I thought, you know, if he's got any chance, he's going to have to back him up. Yeah. But I didn't even I didn't see that Vettel was going to pull off a, a wonder stroke by putting new tyres on. Um, well, I think the only reason he got away with it is because. Um, um, Verstappen's tyres gave up a couple of laps too early. Nice. Isn't he like 18 years old? Yeah, I think he's 19 yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, he's really good. I, I only think, though, I mean, next year's a whole new ball game, and that, uh, as if nobody knew already, Lewis has pinned his colours to the mass now. So everybody knows he's a bit of a cunt as a driver, <laughs> right? But if he thinks but, he can. But, he can cunt around. So. Uh, hold on. I don't think he is. I think if he thinks that if Verstappen or Vettel or even Raikkonen get into a similar car as him, just remotely close, 
which is not what it was this year, and he tries any sort of shenanigans on with them, they're going to put him in a fucking wall. <laughs> I tell you, they're not going to get out of the way of him. And then who we'll do see. You think's, who do you think's faster than Hamilton? Um, Damon Hill. <laughs> no, I, th- I think if you put him in equal cars, I'd, I'd, I reckon Vettel. I'd say Alonso, and I'd say Verstappen. I don't think any of them are far. I think that's the thing is that what that makes me so annoyed about Rosberg is he's just a tier two driver. I reckon like the top five are Vettel, Verstappen, Ricciardo, um, Alonso, and Hamilton. Is he a German Jensen Button? Who? Rosberg. Rosberg. Oh, right. That's about Button retiring. He gives a fuck. Seventeen years. But like was he good. Won yeah. seven races, didn't he, in that time? Was that no, it? more than that. Uh, lots, lots more than that. I don't think it was lots more than that. I saw in the paper. I think it was. I think he won at least twenty races in seventeen and, and did... years. Yeah, but he did some great stuff in some awful cars. It was yeah. sort of he was leaving that sort of bad era, and obviously you have to remember he was of that Schumacher era. I started watching when he that when he was that. Like, oh, on the team. Yeah, because, yeah. The I home... mean, you are right. Like he. He was fun and he was good, and like that race he won in Canada in the rain, where he came from last to first, is one of the best races I've ever seen. But, but the only reason Buttons a world, got a world title is because he was better than Felipe Massa. Yeah, because his car that Barrichello. Oh, was it Barrichello? You're right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. <clears throat> that Braun car was so much super, was so superior to the rest of the. But not as superior as the McLaren is, for example, this year. The Mercedes. Sorry, sorry the Mercedes. Yeah. No, I disagree. I'll be honest, I stopped watching when Jack Villeneuve stopped driving, because he was fun. He was nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like. That, um, no, that Braun car, Colin, that was, that was like a fucking rocket ship compared to everything else. <laughs> it was only towards like the last five races of the year when Red Bull caught on, and then won four titles in a row then afterwards. Well, I'm, I'm just quoting Jensen Button, who said that, you know... The of course difference... he would. Of course he said his car wasn't as good. <laughs> of course he did. He said, no, no, I'm brilliant. The car wasn't that great. It's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? You know, you could, because, you know, if you use the same argument, you could say, well, well how many should Schumacher have won and well, is he better yeah. and Senna and all this? Lot? And, you know, it's, it gets difficult. You know what I mean? What you want is a whole... Which is maybe what we're getting—a whole gang of them in similar cars, like you had with Senna, Prost, Mansell, PK, them sort of guys. You know, it's incredibly boring for a neutral when there's one dominant team. That's why I stopped watching because it was just boring. One team winning every single race. Yeah, I agree with you to an extent. You need the only thing, good thing—the only good thing you have—the good thing you have now, though, is the fact that Hamilton and Rosberg really don't like each other. Yeah, that's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we're wasting we're wasting time. We're wasting time, yeah. <laughs> you didn't carry on talking. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, we're going to start with just release, the, Palace, just release the audio. Turns out it's turned into a Formula One podcast. <laughs> 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 All right, let's begin. I am recording. You both sound good. <clears throat> Why? Thank you. <laughs> You're quite all right. 